Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo! Boom! Just like that! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production, Smoking Gun is flying, here comes Smoking Gun, I don't know! That just happened! That just happened! Touch that dial. It's another Thursday morning edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we're coming off a spirited weekend of live racing, and we're getting ready to enter a spirited weekend of live racing. Uh, obviously, the opening race call from the Jim Ewart Memorial last year, where Always Be Mickey took on Wiggle It Jiggle It, and what a race it has come to be this year with contenders like Mel Mera. Sintra is actually coming down from Canada, Mike. Uh, it's going to be a epic, epic race for sure. Yeah, that was quite a stretch, uh, stretch rally, Mike. Sintra winning the Canadian Pacing Derby, but yeah, I, I'll tell you what; these older pacers, they certainly put on a show. They're going to uh, do so once again in the Jim Ewart. That's certainly going to be exciting to see. And of course, our good uh, friend Barry Vickery will be on the call. But we've got a great show on tap for you today. Matter of fact, getting to the race and coming up this weekend. Good, good card at Mohawk as well, and we'll kind of take a look at that throughout the course of the show. But we've got a great show on tap for you today, Mike. And and uh, first of all, let's start off uh, on a serious note. And, uh, of course, prayers and uh, everything like that to the people that were affected by Hurricane Harvey. But what about Hurricane Irma, Mike? You know, it's it's one of those things, Mike, and it's uh, it's sad, but we're kind of keeping our eyes on it. Obviously, our friends at Pompano, Gulfstream Park, all that stuff down there. But, Mike, I'll tell you what, the entire uh, coast down there is uh, kind of prepping. They've got Irma, they've got Jose right behind them, and Katia is actually formed right in front of uh, right in front of Texas. So, you know, uh, all of our friends uh, that are in those states, Mike, uh, they're dealing with. Uh, with some very crazy circumstances. I talked to Gulfstream Park's track announcer, Peter Aiello, yesterday, who said he's going to ride it out uh, in Florida. And I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, there's many others, but definitely uh, from all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, our thoughts and uh, prayers and, uh, you know, everything with uh, those folks. And, Mike, uh, my parents, they live in Virginia. You live in Maryland. I'll tell you what, you guys are get buckled down for the thing. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a possibility that we can get some of the remnants of it. As a matter of fact, we got some of the remnants of uh, Harvey. I don't know if you guys did, but that uh, dumped oh, yeah. a bunch of rain on us uh, for a day or so. But uh, once again, for everybody down in Florida, uh, prayers certainly to you, and uh, hopefully 
Hurricane Irma's uh, bark is bigger than its bike, so to speak. But uh, anyway, we got a great show on tap for you today. We're going to kind of reflect a little bit on an old racetrack, a racetrack by the name of Brandywine Raceway, not too far from where I'm sitting right now, Mike, at Harris, Philadelphia. And we're going to have a pretty big night remembering Brandywine coming up tomorrow night with a special post time of 630 and we're going to have Chris Mackerlane on. He is the uh, director of racing for Penn Gaming. And uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Chris Mackerlane spent a lot of time at Brandywine. And we're going to get his thoughts on the track that was. Plus, we're also going to talk to Joe Asher. Now, Mike, a lot of people might not know who Joe Asher is. Joe Asher is the CEO of William Hill USA and uh, William Hill USA actually uh, runs the parlay cards, the sports betting in Delaware, runs a lot of race books, a lot of sports books throughout the country, as a matter of fact. Joe Asher spent uh, a lot of time working for our good friend, Mark Backrad, Marv Backrad at Brandywine. So Joe Asher is going to join us as well to reflect a little bit on Brandywine, plus one of our favorite guys, Mike, not only – we have Gabe Pruitt on the show, but we have also also we have Rich the Natural Matei on the show. You talk about two of our favorite guys in the whole world. This is going to be a fun show, Mike. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to talk uh, some racing as well with the Jim Ewart Memorial, also mm-hmm. the Simcoe coming up at Mohawk. But Mike, uh, we've also got a uh, we also got a pretty nice uh, pretty nice change coming to our website as well. But maybe we should uh, leave everybody in suspense for a little bit. Yeah. As a matter of fact, let's push that off till next week. Next Thursday, we'll have a big announcement where, yeah, and, right. and maybe you probably you probably noticed that the website has undergone some changes, some improvements. So we're going to continue to improve and change the website. We're going to add a little bit of a new feature to the website. So uh, we certainly want you to stay tuned for that. Also, we're going to try maybe to add a little bit of new uh, or a, a new segment to the program. Inside handicapping is what we're going to call it. We're going to try to gather maybe every other week or once a month or so some of the brighter minds of the sport of harness racing that handicap our sport from a gambling perspective. And we're going to try to get into their mind to see what they see when handicapping the races, maybe get some strategies from them, some tips about ticket structures and all that. So we're going to touch a little bit on that today with the rich, the natural Mate. Plus our guy, Darren Gagne is going to join us. It's the ongoing running aces segment. And Darren will tell us what's going on at the track up in Minnesota. The first is going to be Joe Asher, on this special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, we'll be back in just a moment. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 
519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now, we're joined by Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill USA. Joe, how are you, sir? Doing great. Joe, tell us a little bit about the before we uh, we're going to talk, of course, about Brandywine, uh, a place that uh, you were at for a few years. But let's talk first about William Hill USA. For those unfamiliar with what that is, can you tell us what exactly that is? Sure, William Hill is one of the biggest sports betting companies in the world, and we operate sports books across the state in Nevada. We're also the risk manager for the Delaware Lottery in their. Um, uh, NFL parlay betting uh, in the state of Delaware. So we're basically the biggest bookmaker uh, in the state of Nevada, and therefore, uh, since sports betting is largely confined to the uh, to the state of Nevada, the biggest bookmaker in the U.S. as well. Wow, that's something else. And uh, obviously, you're the CEO, so you're a, a very busy individual. But uh, and we certainly appreciate you spending us uh, spending a few minutes with us here today. But uh, Brandywine Raceway, of course, the big night's coming up at Harris, Philadelphia on Friday night. We're going to uh, kind of honor the times of uh, the old racetrack in Delaware that closed back in the late '80s. Uh, and you were a graduate. I know it kind of like a racetracks. We say you do time or you uh, graduate from a certain racetrack when you spend your early times there, kind of like it's a college or something. But tell us a little bit about your time at Brandywine. Well, you know, I started going to Brandywine uh, as a little kid with my dad. He used to go out at the races. And so I would go to the track with him. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I got a job working uh, in the publicity department for Marv Bachrod and uh, worked at Brandywine uh, from 1984 and in 85. Then in 86, I uh, went uh, up to Foxborough for a year, then came back and, and worked at Brandywine right up to a close. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was great. It was a wonderful track, wonderful place to be, some incredible people. Some of my closest friendships, you know, trace back to those uh, to those days. So it has a very special place uh, in my heart. And, uh you know, fast forward to uh, when I started a company out here in Nevada. I called it Brandywine Bookmaking, nice. and uh, it was named after the racetrack, and then I eventually sold that to William Hill. Tell us a little bit about maybe some of your uh, memories, some of the things that uh, kind of drill home for you about Brandywine. When you sit and think about Brandywine, something that right away pumps into your head. Wow, you know, there's just so many things uh, the 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 track was a beautiful track, and you know it, it uh, was facing the sun, so you'd get these great sunsets. And they had the retractable windows that would raise up, and on a on a nice summer evening, uh, you just couldn't beat it. The fountains in the infield, so scenically very beautiful. Uh, you know, the Battle of the Brandywine was the big race, uh, and you know back in those days, a hundred thousand dollar race. Back in those days, it was a 
a consequential race early in the season so you get some you know top horses i remember Nia Tross uh racing in the battle of the brandywine and um, and it was some great, you know, some great days. And then just on the on the work side, on the people side, um, you know, we, we just had a great time. You know, the publicity office was housed in a uh, a little white house, uh, separate from the main grandstand area. And you know, the people who would come and go uh, through that building were uh, uh, it, it was just fantastic. You know, I was a big baseball fan as a kid, and. Uh, Pete Rose was a regular at the track when you know when he was in town and uh, not playing on a Sunday night. You know you'd see Pete out at the track, and you know that was a lot of you know a lot of fun for uh, you know for a little kid to see. And other uh, other ball players, you know Bill Berge owned horses uh, back in those days, so you'd see him at the track. And I remember you know Von Hayes coming out to the track uh, uh, one night and having a great time with him. So it was just. Um, uh, a lot of fun to be around. There was always something happening at Brandywine, and uh, you know it was great. Uh, it was a great place uh, to, to grow up, which is you know what I basically did because you know I, was, I spent my uh, my youth there. And the crowds. You know, I was at uh, Hazel Park for uh, since from 2004 to uh, 2013, and right in my office was a huge painting of about 30 or 40,000 screaming fans as the uh, horses entered the clubhouse turn. And uh, obviously, you saw some of those crowds as Brandy at Brandywine as well. Yeah, no, there was they, absolutely there were some some really big crowds on a big race day. In particular, or if there was a, a big promotion uh, going on, you know, it, it would uh, it get crowded even in, even in my day, and that's you know the the '60s and the '70s, of course, were the heyday of harness racing in America, uh, and you know, back in those days, they'd, they'd really get packed in, and you know, obviously, you know, the tracks uh, in the area, you know, it got harder in the uh, in the '80s and. You know, I remember Liberty Bell and going up to Liberty Bell, which you know, which closed uh, uh, during that time period. And of course, Brandywine uh, couldn't make it as well. And uh, you know, you always wonder what would have been at Brandywine had it had it been able to hold on and and uh, wind up with slot machines right. as you know, as happened at the other Delaware racetracks. It would have just or, or you know at Philly Park, uh, it would have just been you know, out of control. But it was such a such a great place, great. Uh, uh, great, great memories and, and lifelong memories. Joe, you think harness racing can ever get that mojo back? No, it, it'll never get back to what it was, and and there's just a variety of, uh, of factors that lead to that. You know, there's so many more entertainment options today. Uh, you know, Marv Bachrad had a theory that it was air conditioning that ultimately led to uh, to um, the demise of racing because people would then start to stay home. And of course right. now you have, you know, now you have satellite television and you know, movies on demand and uh, so many more entertainment options today and, and so many more gambling options today, you know, back in its heyday, uh, harness, uh, harness racing was really, you know, really the only legal gambling in town. Uh, now you know, you've got state lotteries and you've got casinos and, and, and other forms of gambling. So, uh, no, it'll never get back to, to what it once was, for sure. Um, and today it's much more, uh, it's, it's event-driven. You know, and even in thoroughbred racing, you know, you have the, you know, the marquee meets of Saratoga and Del Mar, 
but, uh, you know, beyond that, it's purely event-driven. People show up for the big events, uh, but, you know, getting people to turn up on a Tuesday night uh, or a Wednesday night at, at, at a track, uh, it's just a pretty hard sell uh, this day and age. Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill USA. Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us once again. Friday night is the big uh, Brandywine Raceway reunion night. Joe, we'll see you here, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I've had that blocked in my calendar since uh, <laughs> since I heard about it. People are talking about it on Facebook, so I'm excited to see you know who's going to turn up and uh, look forward to seeing some old friends. All right, Joe, we'll see you at Harris Philly on Friday night. Sounds great. Look forward to it. All right, that was Joe Asher. We had a chance to sit down with Joe yesterday and talk to him a little bit about Brandywine Raceway. We're back live now, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And, Mike, just doing a little bit of reading about Brandywine, for those uh, maybe some of the newer listeners, some of the younger people that don't remember Brandywine, it was a 5-8 mile track. It was located near Wilmington, Delaware. It was a top-tier uh, racetrack, and it actually had a circuit with Liberty Bell track, which was – in uh, nearby Philadelphia. And, and I guess that arrangement bike, it kind of worked out for a while, but then after that, they started, uh, I guess they started racing over each other, ran conflicting meets and, and uh, it didn't turn out so good after that. But Brandywine's first race, Mike was 1953. A horse that won it was a horse by the name of Headpin. Mike Headpin. Headpin. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a class C pace for a person, $900. And, Give, how many fans do you think came out for opening day at Brandywine back in 1953, Mike? I'll, uh, g- give me a number. 53,212. 53,212. No, actually, it wasn't that much, but it was still a really nice crowd. 13,500 no. fans. Hey, you know what? I, you moved the five over, and you got my number. We're in good shape. There you go. Today... The site of Brandywine Raceway is a housing development, and I believe it's named Brandywine Hunt. There's a little establishment every once in a while that we go. Uh, some of the people in the race office and uh, myself go to. It's called uh, The Hideaway. Very good food, very nice. It's like walking distance uh, from the old Brandywine. But uh, as a matter of fact, there's a street named Clubhouse Lane that is in the uh, – development that's still uh it's like the outline of a racetrack like the outline of a racing surface so uh good stuff from joe asher we certainly appreciate him joining joining us and we're going to hear a little bit more about brandy wine from the director of racing at penn gaming chris McElane. that's coming up at about 11:05. and uh, mike our good friend gabe pruitt's coming up uh in just a few minutes so you'll have a chance to talk to him about uh, all the good stuff uh, down in lexington mike more kentucky sire stakes coming up uh, here in the next couple of days yeah, we got some Kentucky Kentucky Sire Stakes action coming up. And I'll tell you what, the racing has been fantastic. I've actually had a chance to watch a few races, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully uh, the program continues to grow and prosper as it has. I know the uh, the dual program has definitely helped them out. We'll talk more about that with Gabe Pruitt on the backside of this commercial break. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks is a culmination of a month-long series of preliminary races with the biggest money earners getting a chance to compete in one of the richest finals in North America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks includes two- and three-year-old pacers and trotters competing for over $2 million in purses. 
All the races are conducted at the historic Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. The series starts on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Summer racing heats up at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Catch all the action Saturday, Monday, and Tuesday with a post time of 6.30 and Sunday at 7.30 p.m. In July and August, it's the two- and three-year-old trotters and pacers in the spotlight in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes and Pennsylvania Stallion Series action. Follow us on Twitter for all things racing at Downs at MSP at Downs at MSP. Mohegan Sun Pocono. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. On this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by a man who is very glad he is not in Florida, Mr. Gabe Pruitt. What's going on, Gabe? Not much, guys. It does look uh, very scary for for my uh, all of our friends in South Florida. So uh, let's hope they stay safe there the next couple of days. You know, we were talking about it a little bit, and I talked to uh, our good friend Peter Aelo. I told him you had a house uh, up here that you, he could just move right into. No problem, no questions asked. And uh, he said he, he, he said something along the lines of uh, you, you made him pay for his dinner at Pompano, so uh, he said no way. <laughs> That's, uh, that is not true in, in several different cases, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, Gabe. Let's talk some Kentucky Sire Stakes action, my friend. They had a week off last week. They return this week, and the two-year-old Philly Pacers kick off Saturday night's card. And I'll tell you what, it's a pretty competitive uh, field. Uh, Pure Paradise, uh, Gabe, has two victories and five starts uh, by the Sire McArdle. Excuse me. And, of course, you have Newsday uh, by Art Major, both very game horses, and Joe Holloway seems to have himself a – Another decent pacer here. But he uh, did have uh, does have a decent pacer there at Newsday. She's Brittany Farms, uh, 
Brett and uh, co-owned the uh, Philly Donner Bart Major. She bounced back in a big way last time, Mike. A good second-place effort behind Pure Paradise. Pure Paradise, as you mentioned, she's a daughter of McCardle for Brian Brown. Got off a little bit of a rough start. Uh, that's part of the nice to think about this dual eligibility now where you can be a multiple states. She started off in the Ohio Sire Stakes. She finished eighth in the first two Ohio Sire Stakes events there. She was in one at Toyota, one up your way at Northfield. But then she's really ran it into form here since arriving at the Red Mile. She has a third there in the first leg of the Sire Stakes. She had a win last time, and she's probably going to be the favorite to back on Saturday night. Now, Gabe, race number two is a very competitive field of uh, pacers, and it's another field of two-year-old Philly pacers. But you have a horse in here that is three for three with a mark of 151 and four that might be heads above the rest in bandstand. She added Lasix last time, Mike. Really spread it home, unleashed the final quarter 26-1 and one to get it done a nose over the two Hurricane Empress, who's right back in this spot as well. But she's really at the head of the class here in terms of these Kentucky Sire Stakes. So, Phillies can look to make it four for four. And not only is she going to be the big favorite on Saturday night, but she'll also be the favorite when these two-year-old Phillies come back in that $250,000 final on Sunday night, September the 17th. Now, Gabe, let's uh, skip a race and go to race four. It's a two-year-old Colton Gelding Pacers. And trainer Jimmy Tactor has a pacer in here by the name of Grand Teton, uh, a son of a rock and roll dance uh, but, excuse me, out of uh, western Montana. And I'll tell you what, Gabe, four wins and five starts, but has hit the board in every start with a mark of 52-1, and one, puts Mark McDonald back up. Uh, what kind of chance do you give him? Well, I think he's going to be a huge favorite there, uh, odds on. In fact, the two horses that are tied atop the point standings, Mike, uh, are in this event, the fourth race. They couldn't really be coming into this event uh, in much different circumstances. They both have a win and a second, but Grand Teton has been 1-9. to nine. Last week, he was 1-5. to five. The other horse is a 9. He was 15-1 to one finished second, the first leg. Last time, he was 23-1-1, to one and one. so he has flown completely under the radar, while Grand Teton has just been pounded every start. Last time out, it was his only career loss, but really no shame that had been. He had post nine. He was parked every single step of the mile uh, behind maybe not the best of cover. Uh, he was forced to uh, tip wide there. They paced a back half on the front in 54-3, and three, but he still made up some ground there and uh, finished second by neck. So it was really a gutsy performance, even though it was a, a loss, not holding that against him. He's a half-brother of pure country. We know as well over $2 million in earnings now. So I think uh, this son of a rock and roll dance likely going to get right back on track here Saturday night. All right, Gabe, let's uh, rewind a couple of days and let's talk some uh, Kentucky Sire Stakes action going on this evening. Um, you have a horse in tonight's second race, Gabe. Not you specifically. We'll get to those here in a second. But Special Hill uh, trainer driver Jimmy Tactor will uh, bring this one in tonight for uh, a son of Muscle Hill who – we all know how good Muscle Hill has been as a sire. And, you know, it's really kind of impressive to see how he's transferred that form from his form to his kids. Oh, there's no question. He's just a top trotting sire in the uh, sport right now. Uh, there's no one close, uh, in my opinion, uh, for that matter. I heard so, Gabe uh, she is a, close. She is a uh, very, very nice daughter of Muscle Hill. First fall out of the dam, too. I have that daughter who's part of a good family. For a team tacker, there's also Brittany Farms, a co-owned and co-bred horse. She's been knocking on the door, Mike. She's been second and she's been third, maybe a notch or two below the uh, top fillies down here. She's actually rated 7-2 in the morning line tonight. She's a second choice, so uh, 
We'll see. She uh, has been consistent. She's hit the board in all four of her career starts. Another pretty competitive race is race number three. Gave it's the two-year-old Philly uh, Trotters, and you have Lily Stride on the inside who has hit the board in every start. Um, and then you have the five, Vanessa Valentine. And Gabe, i got to be honest here, DeJarmbro hasn't been my favorite sire in the sense that the guys have seemed to break and the girls have seemed to do really well. But I'll tell you what, DeJarmbro really seems to be coming on here late. Yes, and Vanessa Valentine was actually uh, pretty vicious on the Kentucky Fair circuit uh, this uh, year. Uh, all the uh, county fairs in Kentucky, she banked uh, about $17,000, I believe, uh, my great kind of fair circuit. She actually was sick, went in to go in the Kentucky Fair final for $15,000. But she's a homebred for one of uh, the guys the home team here, Jack Gray Jr. He's from uh, just about a half hour outside of Lexington, and it's by his uh, great product mayor, obviously a, a daughter of DeJarmbro, but the uh, dam is Del Martha. And Jack did the campaign Del Martha as well. She earned over $324,000. So uh, very nice uh, dam as well there to Vanessa Valentine. Uh, she uh, seems to be, um, again, maybe in a, a bit of a tough spot. She's a, a bit of a long shot to chance, but a good family there. And when you said it, the one Lily stride, she is just uh, very impressive. She was wrapped completely up at open length win. In her debut, she was third in the $330,000 Jim Dartery on Hamiltonian Day at the Meadowlands. I think Lily Stride clearly the top trotting Philly here in Kentucky this summer. Now, Gabe, looking at race number seven, the only sire with two horses in the field, um, I was going to say it was Muscle Hill, but that's Muscle Mass. I'm looking at a different sire in on every horse in this race. It's a $30,000 division of the two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. And all on black for trader Jenny Melander uh, has been ultra impressive, but so is Hetrick Habit. Hetrick Habit is the son of Donato Hanover, but Swan for All, Gabe, is a, uh, is a sire I haven't really heard much from. Yeah, and you know I'm not uh, I'm not uh, overly familiar with the, the uh, sire as well. Uh, however, that uh, is a nice trotter. Uh, of course, Swanbrow does stand in Indiana. We know that uh, all on black, four wins and a second, and five starts there, taking on tough company, Mike, uh, in, in those Indiana sire stakes events. So uh, I think this horse, uh, the the urgent thing for him is going to be he's going to need uh, probably a win tonight because uh, if he does any worse. He's probably not going to make that $250,000 final. You have to think he's been racing in Indiana. Most of these horses have already been earning points uh, towards that uh, final for the first couple of legs. So if he gets a win, that might be enough to move him. This is a wide-open crapshoot uh, in this event. You've got the top two point earners in here, Hattrick, Habit, and Wolfgang. So they've taken on each other the first two legs. They've traded wins. So uh, both of them have been a, a winner and second. So it's kind of the rubber match between those two tonight. My long shot to sleeper play in here, I don't know if he's much of a sleeper because he's gotten a lot of attention, it's the 10 tactical landing, Mike. He was making up a ton of ground here in his career debut, turning for home against Wolfgang and Hattrick Habit. I think he was going to be a winner that night, but he made a break in strides. The connections opted to come back, qualify him, add trotting hobbles. We'll see if that helps him uh, stay flat tonight. Obviously, it's not going to be easy from post in, but I think we're going to get a good price on that $800,000 son of Muscle Hill. Gabe, Mike Bozich here. When handicapping the young ones, I think a lot of people, they, uh, you know, when you only have a couple of race lines, you tend, a lot of people tend to look at the sire, but don't necessarily 
uh, as a general rule, pay too much attention to the dam. And I've noticed during this segment and throughout the last couple of weeks, you've talked quite extensively about some of the, the dams. How important do you think the dam is, especially from a handicapping point of view, when you're handicapping some horses with maybe only one or two race lines or first-time starters for that fact? Well, I think the family becomes key in that point because really you have little to go on. Now, at least at this point, we have seen most of these horses race, Mike, two, three, sometimes even four times. So we're starting to get a feel. But uh, as you well know, these two-year-olds will uh, really change quite a bit from week to week. We don't get the consistency that we get uh, from older horses. So, uh, again, I do like to look at the families and see see what's there. And a lot of times that you'll see that speed start to show up. Sometimes it's even three and four starts down the road. So I certainly like to take a look uh, at the families uh, when they're getting those uh, two-year-old seasons. I think it's uh, you, you're very wise to do so. And again, you have to uh, you have to look horses really at that age. They seem to go backwards and forwards, as you guys may agree, in a hurry. You'll see horses that really step up. Uh, some horses really start off uh, like gangbusters, and, and before you know it, they've tailed completely off. Well, Gabe, uh, we've talked about the Kentucky Sire Stakes program. Now I want to ask you real quick before we let you go about your horse. Mr. Bus 936 uh, was second at the Finley Fair. He heads to Kenton, Ohio next in uh, race number one. He's actually racing tonight uh, for trader Brian Brown. He'll start from the second tier with post seven. Well, I'm not going to get to see it, Mike, because obviously we're going to race with these Kentucky Sire Stakes events here at the Red Moss. I was hoping you would make the trip down and call me and, uh, and let me know how he does in there. They're actually running a double card, so who knows? Maybe I will make it down there. <laughs> no, in all honesty, that looks like a very tough spot. We've got the seven-hole. I don't like to complain. You know, owners like to complain about posts, but uh, we've got the seven-hole. Apparently, the track, they go five across. So we're actually like uh, there are three horses starting the second tier. We're in the middle of those three, and it looks like we're in against a killer. I don't know if you've seen it in any of the Ohio tracks yet, but uh, there's a horse in there that's 13 for 13 tonight. So I don't think this is going to be any uh, – picnic type event uh, that we're involved in listen carmen's daily apple is uh, a horse i've seen but i think uh gabe i think uh this has been more of a uh well let's look and see here carmen's daily I saw mr apple, apple. I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the sire as this well more, this has been more of a fair type horse uh but he won by four lengths at the same fair that you finished second at in uh, 159 and three uh so it'll be interesting to uh interesting to see uh what you're up against tonight that's for sure yeah, he looks like a very tough horse. He may be just a fair horse. But thirteen for thirteen, made twenty-eight thousand. That's uh, that's certainly a nice uh, a nice two-year-old colt. So hopefully we can just get a piece in there. That's all I'm hoping for. All right, Gabe. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking time out to join us. We'll see you back uh, next week before the final. And uh, go Dodgers! Go Dodgers! We got to get this thing uh, turned around. And that's right, guys. Last two legs, of course, tonight. And Saturday night, that's the third leg for the two-year-old. So after that, all attention here is going to be focused on those uh, finals coming up on Sunday night, September 17th. All right. Thanks a lot, Gabe. We'll see you back here next week, buddy. All right. That was Gabe Pruitt, the track announcer and handicapper at the Red Mile. Coming up next is Chris Mackerlane. We're going to go back in time to talk about the Big B Brandywine Raceway. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today. 
to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Plenty left on this edition to come. We're going to hear from Darren Gagne from Running Aces and the natural Rich Matei will be joining us as well. We're going to get inside his handicapping mind and maybe get some tips and tricks from him as far as uh, handicapping and picking winners is concerned. But first, it's uh, the vice president at Penn Gaming, our good friend Chris McElwain, joining us. Chris, how are you, sir? Good, Mike. Uh, Mike, pleasure to be on. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us. No, uh, kind of like Joe Asher, your schedule is <laughs> pretty busy as well. So we certainly appreciate the few minutes you could spend with us. But Chris, obviously you uh, you were at Brandywine Raceway back in the day, and you spent some time there. And of course, we've got the big night that we're going to uh, kind of reflect on the memory of Brandywine Raceway coming up here tomorrow night at Harris, Philadelphia. What can you tell us uh, about Brandywine? Well, uh, I worked there uh, when I was in uh, high school and uh, uh, part of my uh, college uh, years, uh, I think 84, 85, 88, 87, and 88. And uh, Joe Asher may have been on uh, already, but uh, he was there right around the same time. He started a couple weeks before I did in Marv Bachrod's office. And, uh, you know, uh, basically I think um, – everything over my career in racing, I can pretty much trace back to uh, my uh, years at Brandywine in terms of uh, friendships, in terms of being able to make uh, connections, uh, meeting great people and, um, you know, getting uh, really immersed in racing. So I'd been a fan before that and had some experience on the racing side uh, and handicapping, but uh, Brandywine really opened, uh, you know, my eyes and, and my, uh, my career towards uh, getting into racetrack uh, management and uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's worked out. Okay. I've been happy uh, since then. And uh, uh, Brandywine really uh, was the, uh, the start of everything from my side. Now, Chris, uh, obviously uh, Brandywine raceway and, you know, a lot of the tracks back in the eighties, uh, you know, they got a ton of people and obviously uh, it's different uh, than it is now where there's not as many people at the racetrack. In fact, Joe Asher said, you know, the invention of air conditioning was probably the worst thing that could happen to racing. Uh, but what was it like uh, in those days to see that many people there for harness racing and uh, ra- just horse racing in general? Yeah, no, it was fine. I mean, you, you guys are, are dating me and making me seem real old. I guess I am now. I used to be a young guy, but now I guess I'm one of the older guys. But, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, Brandywine in, in the uh, mid to late 80s, uh, it was near the end of Brandywine, but 
you know, uh, there was still a still strong uh, live audience there. But, uh, you know, even then I, you know, hear from people saying uh, how great the 60s and 70s were there, and I'm sure there were more people. But uh, it was fun. Uh, simulcasting was just starting out. Uh, I remember watching, uh, I think, uh, the Breeders' Crown used to be the big simulcast coming in. It was a single race as part of the card. He didn't take full card simulcasting, so it was kind of a, a big deal. Uh, at that point, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the business certainly evolved, and uh, it's uh, it's gone through a lot of changes. Some of those have been positive, some of them uh, maybe not so positive. But uh, you know, Brandywine unfortunately, um, you know, uh, may have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, a year after it closed, it uh, Delaware did approve slots uh, at the racetracks, and certainly that's been a, a, a huge, uh, impetus for, uh, for racing down there over the past 20 years. Uh, but maybe, you know, that's what it took, uh, to get it over the hump. Uh, you know, Brandywine having to, uh, be the sacrificial lamb in that, um, uh, in that story. But, uh, you know, racing at that time, it was fun. Uh, we had all the big players at Brandywine, uh, still coming down there, uh, uh especially on the Sundays when there wasn't racing in New Jersey. Uh, that was a big night at Brandywine and, uh, you know, all the big trainers and, and drivers used to come down or have stables there. And up until the end, it was still, uh, it was still part of the major league in, in harness racing. Yeah. Joe Asher brought up that, uh, that point, Chris, and I thought that was a very interesting point about what would the scape uh, the landscape of racing look now, if these tracks like Liberty Bell and Brandywine and in garden state, if they were all able to get expanded gaming, what the, would the landscape of racing look like now? I think that certainly would be interesting, but Chris, what, if you had one memory or, or maybe a couple memories that you can point to your favorite memories from Brandywine raceway, what, uh, what would they be? Well, I, I just lie. I mean, I, again, uh, you know, from, from the racing side, as I said, you know, racing was, was kind of starting to, to, to tail, get the tail end there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really remember it, it's really the, uh, the relationships and friendships from down there. Uh, you know, Joe's, Joe's been one of my best friends for the past 35 years. And, uh, you know, we, we forged that bond down there, uh, just going to the track kitchen, uh, before the races uh, with Mac and Earl and uh, there and meeting people, uh, Judy Wilson, uh, who runs the Delaware Sire Stakes now, has been a great friend over the years. Mark Bachrod, uh, Hap Hansen, who used to run uh, Brandywine, uh, was a great mentor for, for Joe and I and, and Dave Hooper uh, after that, uh, who ran the track and has been in around the University of Arizona racetrack program for, for many years. So, I mean, that's what I really take out of it. Um, you know, Seeing, seeing the racing was great, and uh, it's, it's allowed me to be a part of it. And it actually got me uh, introduced to uh, Stan Bergstein, who I ended up working for at Harness Tracks of America. So, again, um, uh, probably the memories for me are the, uh, the relationships and, and all these intersections that have got me to, to where I've been today, uh, enjoying what I do, being in a business that I like. Uh, but I can trace a lot of those uh, starting points back to Brandywine Raceway. Yeah, and I think we all certainly have an affection for the, the track that everybody first started at. Well, Chris, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We know you're a busy guy. We're going to let you go. How are things going at Penn Gaming? Everything good? Yep, we're busy. i uh, got a lot of things going on, uh, so, uh, you know, keep uh, keep plugging away. But uh, I'll give one uh, plug. Our harness track out in Ohio, Dayton Raceway, opens up uh, Monday, September 11th. So, uh uh, hopefully they have a good start out there and uh, they have a big uh, grand circuit week at the end of September. So uh, looking forward to that. 
All right, fantastic. Chris, we certainly appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. See you on Friday. All right, that was Chris McElwain, Vice President of Penn Gaming. You know, Mike, you think about a lot of these guys that came from Brandywine. We had two of them on this show. Uh, Joe Asher, Chris McElwain, Marv Bachrod all went on to very successful careers. Yeah, they did. And like you said, it was kind of like graduating college, Mike, you know, their first track. And, uh, you know, I I think we all kind of feel that way about our first track. Like you said, you know, I know I feel that way about Buffalo, you know, kind of graduating on to the next uh, next thing. And it's, uh, you know, definitely uh, it's sad to see that a track like that has gone away because it seems like the memories from there are just so amazing. Yeah, and you know, and Joe Asher talked about it. Chris talked about it a little bit. The landscape. What would it be if tracks like Garden State and and uh, Liberty Bell and Brandywine had slots? I'll tell you, it would certainly make for a very interesting landscape out here uh, on the East Coast. Well, we're going to uh, kind of transfer our attention away from the East Coast, and we're going to talk about Minnesota. Well, actually, we're not going to talk about it. Our good friend Darren Gagne is going to talk about it. It's time for our Running Aces segment. We've got Rich the Natural Matei coming up. Plus, we've got some good races to take a look at. We're going to take a look at a great card coming up on Saturday at Mohawk uh, with the uh, Simcoes and the, some eliminations there, as well as the Jim Muir Memorial coming up on Saturday as well. We're going to take a look at that. But first, it's our Running Aces segment. Take it away, Darren. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the Upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20-cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, Run. Aces.com. Hey, it's Darren Gagne here at Running Aces Casino and Racetrack in beautiful Minnesota. Time to recap another big week of live racing action here at Running Aces. It all started back on Saturday night, September the 2nd. On Saturday night's program, Steve's Hot Rod rolls to a new track record for three-year-old gelding pacers, stopping the clock in 151 and 4 on Saturday evening, September the 2nd at Running Aces in the early non-wagering event, $6,500 Minnesota Sired three-year-old pace. Steve's Hot Rod, a gelding by Voracious Hanover, posted a sharp display of his speed and talent with a gate-to-wire romp, once again stopping the clock in 151 and 4, establishing a new track record for three-year-old gelding pacers, a record that had stood for more than five years since back in 2012 in July when Chewy Baca with Rick McGee and the bike stopped the clock in 152 and So Steve's Hot Rod here on Saturday night at Running Aces. New track record for three-year-old pacing geldings, 151 and 4. Rick McGee, the trainer and driver for Steve's Hot Rod, who is owned by Katie Sokolowski. Also on the Saturday night program, September the 2nd, Banker Volo returns to running aces after a stint out in Illinois at Hawthorne Race Course and also uh, taking a trip over to Hoosier Park. Banker Volo comes back to running aces in the Open Handicap Trot, $12,000 event, assigned the outside post position 9 in the field, and he went gate to wire, showing once again who's the king of trotting at running aces in 2017. Banker Volo picking up another impressive win, uh, 
trying the mile in 155 and three, a winner by two and a quarter lengths. The owner is Dan Rowland of Iowa, and trained currently by Angie Coleman, and driven victory quite handily, of course, by Luke Plano. Banker Volo, another big win at running aces in the open handicap trot from post nine gate to wire on Saturday in 155 and three. Steve Wiseman and Luke Plano both picking up a hat trick on the program on Saturday night. Three wins each, and driver Rick McGee had a driving double on Saturday. On Sunday night at Running Aces, another track record performance. This one coming in the open handicap pace for horses and geldings, and coming from Fire Drake, the 2017 champion of Dan Patch Free for All at Running Aces, back to his winning ways as Fire Drake scores and picks up a victory by a half a length, a gutsy winning effort in 151 and 2. A new track record for four year old pacing geldings at Running Aces, and of course, a new lifetime mark as well for Fire Drake, who's had a fantastic season at Running Aces this year. Very impressive four-year-old gelding by Dragon again is owned by Jessica Johnson, trained and driven by Nick Rowland. Another outstanding performance from Fire Drake on Sunday night, taking the featured open handicap pace for horses and geldings again in track record time, 151 and 2 for four-year-old pacing geldings. Best in the business was second in that race and JD's Brenton Cherie finished third. Also on the Sunday night program, I am a pixie at midnight, scored once again as the dominant uh, filly in the three-year-old Minnesota Sire trots all season long. I am a pixie at midnight, keeping task to her trotting all the way around the track this time and getting another big victory. Win number five on the season for I am a pixie at midnight, equaling her lifetime best time, two minutes and two-fifths this Sunday. I am a pixie at midnight, scoring once again in the Minnesota Sire three-year-old trotting event. Four owners set the pace racing and trainer driver Nick Rowland who had another big night on Sunday night. He led all drivers on the program Sunday with a driving double. And on Tuesday night at Running Aces, Kiss on the Lips turning in another gutsy performance in the featured $11,000 Mayor's Open Handicap Pace. Last week's winner, Kiss on the Lips, was assigned the outside eight post in the field and was sent off at an amazing 9-1 to one in the tote. Sent flying off the gate to an immediate lead by driver Nick Rowland. Kiss on the lips controlled everything and faced strong pressure once again from Gold Star Misty, the 1-5 to five favorite with James Yoder in the bike, who drew alongside from the half-mile pull on to the top of the stretch. They were going at it once again. Kiss on the lips on the inside and Gold Star Misty on the outside. But Kiss on the lips with Nick Rowland in the bike, digging in gamely once again, turned back all challengers, including Gold Star Misty, to go away in the stretch and win by two lengths at the wire in 153 and three two wins in a row for kiss on the lips and the top mayor's open pace at running aces winning owner is peg hoffman and the winning trainer john rogers once again nick rolling the bike for kiss on the lips two in a row 153 and three in the mayor's open tuesday and also on tuesday night's racing program thirteen thousand dollar two-year-old pace full field of ten for the Minnesota Sire two-year-old Pacers and the Philly, LMNOP became the star of the show on Tuesday night, sent to an early lead by driver Steve Wiseman, then yielding for a three-hole trip, setting sail right past the front-running uh, favorite in the field, Giggle Monster, around the final turn, 
And boy, what a move that was from LMNOP. She took control and drew away to win by a solid three lengths at the wire over the favorite Giggle Monster in second. A new lifetime best mile, 156 and 1 for the Philly LMNOP. On Tuesday night at Running Aces, taking the $13,000 two-year-old pacing event. The owner is Merlin Van Otterloo of Iowa, trainer Brett Ballinger, and once again the winning driver Steve Wiseman, the current leading driver at Running Aces in 2017. Well, ladies and gentlemen, down to our final four nights of live racing. Live racing coming up Saturday and Sunday this weekend, Tuesday night next week for our final dollar night card. And then next Saturday night, the 16th of September, will be the Night of Champions. We will crown all of the Minnesota State Champions estimated purses on Champions Night over $300,000. Again, live racing this coming weekend at Running Aces, Saturday and Sunday. Live racing on Tuesday night as well. And then next Saturday, September 16th, is the big Night of Champions at Running Aces. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20-cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, Run. Aces.com. The Kentucky Sire Stinks is a culmination of a month-long series of preliminary races with the biggest money earners getting a chance to compete in one of the richest finals in North America. The Kentucky Sire Stinks includes two- and three-year-old pacers and trotters competing for over $2 million in purses. All the races are conducted at the historic Red Mile in Lexington, Kentucky. The series starts on Thursday, August 17th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit khrc.ky.gov. That's khrc.ky.gov. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, in the on deck circle is the natural Rich Matane. But uh, first, Mike, I think you want to talk about our new and improved post time with Mike and Mike website. And I'll tell you, we want all of our listeners to continuously check the website because you're going to see some big time improvements coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks and uh, even some new sections, Mike. Yeah, we're going to actually start uh, in conjunction uh, with our uh, little bit of a handicapping segment we've got coming up. We're going to actually get to start a handicapper's corner, Mike, and uh, we're going to have uh, selections from a few different places. Uh, Gold Sheet Bob is actually going to join us on Monday nights uh, to provide a Northfield selections. You're going to help us out with uh, Harris Philadelphia Wednesday selections. Rich Bate is going to help us out with Friday's Meadowland selections. And I'm going to help with uh, Mohawk selections until Western Fair starts, Mike, and then uh, we'll pick up Western Fair's uh, Saturday night cards on our website. And, uh, Mike, our selections are also going to be posted on our Western Fair's video feed. Well, that's pretty awesome. And also, Mike, uh, we're going to do some uh, some articles as well. So you definitely want to check out that section. We'll obviously hype it up, give it plenty of hype on Facebook and our Twitter feed. So if you're not a friend of ours on Facebook or if you don't follow us on Twitter, make sure you do so now. And uh, we'll definitely keep you up to date 
But it's going to be uh, certainly interesting. I mean, the gambling aspect of our business, Mike, is certainly one that we can't take lightly because, uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, the gamblers are the ones that pay the bills for all intents and purposes. And uh, we're going to – we've got some very talented uh, handicappers, Mike. I mean, we've had Garnett Barnsdale on the show. He's a regular contributor. The guy that we're going to talk to next, Rich Natural Matei, uh, your buddy Goldsheet Bob. I know you guys do a Facebook Live uh, when you're announcing – at Northfield Park, and you guys take a look at the pick five and dissect it at Northfield and the pick fours and that. And um, and Rich and I do the same thing here at Harris Philadelphia. So we're going to try to pay a little bit more attention to that. So make sure you keep an eye on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Right now, let's bring in our guy, the natural Rich Matei, one of the brightest young handicappers. And I'm not saying that because he buys me dinner frequently. I'm telling you this because the kid is really <laughs> – a very, very sharp handicapper, not only in harness, but in thoroughbred. Rich, welcome in. What, do you need a dinner tonight or something? You're sucking <laughs> up with me already. <laughs> Ray, Ray, I heard, Ray, listen, real quick. Rich, I heard you can't afford dinner right now. So, you know, we're, we no, might have I some trouble there. <laughs> I, I think I do. All right. Well, let's get down to business, guys. And uh, we're going to talk about handicapping. And we're we're going to kind of talk about even the differences between handicapping harness and thoroughbred. Now, Rich, you do both. You handicap yeah. both harness and you handicap both thoroughbred. What would you say the biggest difference is when you open that racing form and you open up that program uh, and try to handicap the two different breeds? What's the biggest difference? Well, I think in harness racing, they give you more information in the program. For thoroughbreds, you really got to de- dig deep down and find things, say breeding and everything, because that's probably more important in thoroughbreds than it is in harness because you're going the one mile continuously every single race. As in thoroughbreds, you got different distances, you're going on different surfaces. So there's a lot more. In, there's more that you need to look into in thoroughbreds than there is harness racing for that reason alone. But also um, – in harness racing, if you pay attention week in and week out, if you stick to one track, you can find horses who are rounding back into form. And we see that time and time again at Harris Philadelphia because you see the same horses continuously race each week. As in thoroughbred racing, you don't see them maybe for two, three, four months at a time. And that reason alone makes it really, really different. Rich, uh, when you're handicapping races, and uh, we'll talk more, this is more of a thoroughbred question than it is a harness question, you know, drops in distance, and even, I guess you could use this for harness, drops in distance, extension of distance in some cases, uh, do you think that helps or can plague horses? Of course, because not every horse is the same. Basically, they're animals, they're living and breathing, they're just like us. Some of us could run farther than others. Same thing with horses. Some can run farther than others, and distance in thoroughbred racing is the ultimate equalizer. I see it time and time again. Horses that can't sprint with $5,000 claimers can run in graded stakes races going a mile and a half, and it's just a big, big, big equalizer. It's a very, very important thing, and honestly, I think that's why harness racing needs to adapt to having distances different distances throughout the card because I'm sure standard breads are the same way. Some of them don't want to go as far as others and so on and so forth. 
Rich, let's uh, change directions a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about structure of tickets. Now, we sit down here and, uh, on a daily basis here at Harris, Philadelphia. We do our Facebook Live, and I know Mike does it with Gold Sheet Bob as well. You play pick fours and pick fives, and I know you're a big fan of multi-race wagers. What are some of your strategies when it comes to structuring tickets? Are there anything, is there anything that you do specifically maybe other than just go race by race? Is there a specific strategy that you take to these multi-race wages? Most of the time, I'm looking for a race that I really, really could key on, and then I'll build the ticket around that race. Multi-race wagers aren't about being clever or cute, trying to pick single out that 15-to-1 shot that nobody else can. It's about surviving, and you just need to survive each leg. And I look to see if I like more than four or five horses and multiple sequences, I won't play it because my budget just won't allow it. But you really have to like the, the sequence that you're playing also because if you're throwing 60 80 $100 into this and you're out the first leg, you feel like a fool. It's just always about surviving. Don't be cute. Use who you think is going to win the race, not who you think, oh, this horse has a shot. You have to play horses who you think are going to win the race, and that's basically the key of multi-race wagers because all it is at the end of the day is picking winners. Now, Rich, obviously the structure of your multi-race uh, wagers come into a big play, and part of that uh, for some people is they include the favorite even though – you know, they think they have the favorite beat because they don't want to get beat. Do you have to be afraid of the favorite, or if you really like, you know, picking against the favorite, should you just leave him off? Uh, It depends on the race, honestly. Sometimes I'll just throw the favorite in just because I don't – mostly I'll use the favorite in the last leg because if I make it to the last leg, I don't want to lose to the favorite. But there are instances where I don't like the favorite at all, and I won't use them but I may use the second favorite, the third favorite, the fourth favorite, because people are so are weighing so highly on a favorite in each race when you're playing multi-race wagers that it really doesn't matter. If you don't like the favorite, don't use him. If you don't think he can win, don't use him. But if you think he has a chance to win the race and you're not really against him, I would use him because, like I said, multi-race wagers – are not about being cute and getting the big score. They're about surviving. And maybe one of your long shots comes in and you get paid. Rich, let's uh, switch gears once again. Let's talk about handicapping angles when we're actually looking at a race itself. What are the f- your most favorite handicapping angles, some of the things that you like to look for right away when you turn the page and look at a harness or a thoroughbred race? For harness racing, I like to see a horse that showed speed last time and maybe got cooked on the lead because they lose by a city block. But if you watch the race, they see they went maybe like 26 and 54 and somebody's challenging them. But the program says this horse lost by 30 lengths. And even in um, harness racing, I like horses that improve with Lasix for the first time. Or even in qualifiers, I see them show a little spark with Lasix. So, and then I'll use them when they race first time with the Lasix. And with thoroughbred racing, I am a sucker for horses that cut back. That is my favorite angle in all of horse racing is horses that cut back. And I like to show, I like to see them show a little speed 
because if they cut back in these sprint races, I don't want them to be 10, 15 lengths out of it. I want them to show that they could be somewhat forwardly placed because they will have, they will be fitter and have a better punch at the end. But yeah, cutting back is my ultimate, ultimate favorite. Visiting with Rich, but saying, Rich, kind of a follow-up to that. What are some of the things that you think the public most overrates, like the most overrated handicapping angle in both harness and throne, but For harness racing, I think it's that last quarter because you need to watch the race and see how the ra- – I'm, I'm a huge guy on race flow. I don't care how fast or how slow they went early, but I like to see how the race is shaping up because – Say horses are walking on the lead, you're all going to come home in 25, 26, so it don't even matter. And like me and you saw here a couple of weeks ago, there was a race. They were um, upper-level uh, condition horses, but they went 25-4 and four and 53-3, and three, and they walked home, but they went 1-2 around the racetrack. That shows to me the, ra- the flow of the race was built towards speed, and even though they came walking at home at the end, that was a big effort. And even drivers, I'm not a huge fan uh, guy when it comes to, oh, there's a big driver change because everybody sees it and everybody is going to bet that and the horse's odds are probably going to be lower than they should be. And for thoroughbreds, the most overrated, I think, is trainers and probably first-time geldings and first-time Lasix. I think those are the most overrated handicapping angles you could have and even jockeys because the horse is what takes you there it's not who the driver it's not the jockey sometimes the jockey or the driver would win the race for the horse but 99 percent of the time if the horse isn't going to win the horse isn't going to win now rich it's interesting that you mentioned the uh driver angle uh of it if a driver picks off um, or jockey picks off and, you know, maybe goes to a bigger long shot for whatever reason. Is that a big, uh, big red flag for you? Not really. I really don't pay attention to it. I might, if, if it's a very, very rare occurrence, I will pick up on a jockey or drive a driver change. Maybe it's because you don't know at the end of the day, maybe they're doing this guy a favor and just driving or riding the horse for him, or maybe they're, warming up the horse in the morning or they're exercising the horse in the morning. You really don't know what's going on. You don't know the word. And maybe for that, you'd use the betting board as a clue to see if they're getting better or not. But for me, I really don't pay attention to who's driving or riding my horse. Half, half of the time when the race is going off, I'll ask somebody next to me, who's driving that horse, who's riding that horse, just so I know halfway through the race. Once again, visiting with the natural Rich Matei. Rich, a couple of more questions before we let you go. And I know we constantly uh, have this discussion amongst the both of us, and we also do on Facebook Live every once in a while. But I really believe that it's equally as important how to bet a particular horse as opposed to who to bet. I mean, really anybody can take a look at a race and kind of see maybe who the best horse is or who's got the fastest times or whatever, who's got the most money earned. But how to bet is equally as important. I've seen so many circumstances and situations where people pick the right horses, but they just don't bet it the right way. Um, How do you like, okay, say for example, we've got like a three to five or a four to five shot. You really like the horse 
you think the horse is is going to win without a question, but then it comes a question of how can we make money in the race. So in a particular race like that, how do you think we could make money? How, how do you think how to bet becomes so much more important, in my opinion, than who to bet? Yeah, for example, if it if, if I think there's a heavy favorite that can't lose, I'll look at the next race and look for doubles and just try to pound maybe a twenty thirty dollar double that pays twenty or thirty dollars. Because for me, for me, I'm not a good exacta trifecta supervecta player, and I and I know that I'm a good multi race player. I know how to pick winners, so I'm gonna stick to my strong hand and try to pick the winner of the next race and see if I can maybe pound the double and make money off this three to five and four to five shot. It's all about what you're comfortable with and what your strengths are. You have to play your strengths. If you're a good person, if you're a good ticket maker at playing exactus and trifectas using long shots underneath with the favorites, then you should do that. It all depends on what your strengths are. So you should go to the track, Maybe even write down what you bet that day and see what you're and do it for maybe a month, two, three, four months. Because you're you're spending your hard earned money. You're wagering your hard earned money and you just don't want to give it away. Go to the track, keep record of what you're betting, see what your strengths are, see what see if you're good with turf races or dirt races. See if you're good with two year old races or older horses. See if you're good with trotters or thoroughbreds you have to see what strengths you have in order to make an effective wager all right one last question for you rich before we let you go when you open up a racing program we'll keep this the harness when you when you open up a racing program what's the very first thing you look for i usually don't look for anything i let the program Tell me. I look I wait for something to pop out to me and then I'll investigate it more. Say there was a horse that was looks like he's first over. I'll go watch the replay. Maybe he was second over instead and had a good trip. Because the program's not gonna tell you everything. And the people that make the program, believe it or not, they all make mistakes and they're all human. So you have to go watch these races because, like I said, you're betting your hard-earned money that you work for 40 hours a week, and it's just like work. You take work seriously. If you want to make money playing this game, you have to take it very seriously. So I don't really look – I wait for something to pop out, honestly, when it comes to the program. I really don't go looking for anything because then you're just looking for trouble. Good stuff. Rich, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Of course, Rich is also part of our broadcast team from time to time uh, when we do remotes. And, uh, Rich, we'll be seeing you really soon, my buddy. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. That was the natural Rich Matei. And good stuff there, Mike. Really good stuff. And uh, I'll tell you, this is coming from a mid-20s individual. Okay, I mean, uh, desperately a demographic that we need to for this game to survive and uh, good stuff there, Mike. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, very good stuff, and uh, you know, it, it raises a very good question about things that you know he he mentioned was strengths and weaknesses. You got to know where your strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, one of the big things that I know as a handicapper, um, handicapping races is I like to kind of bet against one to nine trotters who break a lot. You know, that's just something that you know you got to gain experience with doing, and it, it comes with time and it comes with practice and. People like uh, Rich are always down and willing to teach you. All right, good stuff. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to take a look at some of the races coming up this weekend, including the Jim Ewart Memorial at Scioto Downs on Saturday. Good, good racing there with a very solid field of 10 older paces. You've got Post Down with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America back in a flash. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as racing resumes on Friday, September 8th for two weekends of live harness racing action. Then Thoroughbred Racing begins on Friday, October 6th, 2017 and runs through November 11th, 2017. Then harness racing will resume on Friday, November 17th and run through the end of the year. For more information, simulcast schedule and more, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're going to take a look at a couple of races from Scioto Downs Racetrack in Columbus, Ohio. And Mike, the jug preview goes as race number seven. I know we've been talking about the Jim Ewart, but the $125,000 jug preview comes up as race number seven. It's a field of eight uh, with the scratch of Sherry Holiday's thursdays in september and uh drunk on your love mike uh, is a game ohio bred who raced in the uh carl milstein memorial he's eight to one on the morning line having won seven of 11 races gets post number eight of course filibuster hanover is in this race down by the seaside is the one everybody's going to be watching from post one not very often you see a four to five morning line by carter and down by the seaside certainly gar- uh, garners that attention drawn the uh the pole position for driver Brian Sears. This is a win that can put this guy over a million dollars in career earnings. And what a what a great horse. And and what a great duo Brian Brown has. Of course, Fear of the Dragon was scratched here. Uh, Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Day. It was just a sickness. So he's uh, obviously going to make a speedy return to the racetrack. Uh, per their connections. But the drunk on your level horse you mentioned draws post eight, but uh, belongs to Jason Suttlemore, I believe. Filibuster Hanover's in this race as well. This horse has been hinting at some pretty big efforts, but down by the seaside unquestionably is the one to beat. And maybe we should have kept Richard Board because we talked about how we could make money with one to fives. I think that's going to be your dilemma here. 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, me and Garnett Barnsdale have said the same thing. You can make money as long as you structure your ticket correctly and use a couple of bombs underneath. And, uh, you know, you could make some money with uh, with potential uh, with Down by the Seaside, Mike. The Jim Ewart Memorial is going for a purse of $225,000, and boy, is this a stellar field. And a, a horse that's coming back, Mike, is Night Pro. Uh, Dale Decker's down to drive. Night Pro draws post number 10. He's a 20-to-1 morning line, something I would have never expected last November, Mike. Uh, McWicked draws post number 3. Melmera draws the inside. A very competitive field of pacers. Yeah, this is very good. And Rock and Ron, who did all the dirty work in the Canadian Pacing Derby, only to be flagged down by Sintras in this race as well. Expect him to be uh, firing out of there. Check Six is a horse that picked up a couple of uh, big victories throughout the course of the year. Everybody thought maybe that the that the uh, win in the Dan uh, the win prior was a fluke, but then he come back to the Dan Patch and look what he did. Check Six took that one as well. So in a very game at gutsy effort. So I think you have to give him a lot of respect. But just look at that field. I mean. Mel Mara from the rail. You know this horse is going to be up close to the pace all the way. Boston Red Rocks has been very competitive, Mike. Hasn't been able to get that win, but has been very competitive. He should be in the firing line as well. You certainly want to put him, if you're playing uh, deep exotics, well, trifectas and superfectas, certainly want to put him in. McWicked's been great this year. I mean, luck be with you is always dangerous. A very fast horse. And we talked about check six, Rocket Wand, Sentra, Keystone Velocity. I think, actually... I think this race sets up pretty good for Century, to be honest, because if you've got Rock and Ron from the outside who's flying out, Mel Mara's flying out from the inside, you've got other speed here. I think this may close, uh, this may set up once again for the good closing kick of Century if he uh, has any kind of striking range. Yeah, you know, this race sets up to be more of a closer's race than it was last year, Mike. You remember Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and Always Be Mickey showed a ton of early speed and class, and they uh, kind of held on towards the end. But uh, all these horses just about have 148 or 147 marks. Uh, who knows? Maybe we have a uh, track record performance coming up. Yeah, certainly. Mohawk's got a big card coming up on Saturday as well. They have eliminations of the Canadian Trotting Classic with uh, Victor Geo and uh, some of the other good ones there, some of the ones that maybe you remember. What the Hill? How could we forget about What the Hill? <laughs> uh, Bill's Bands in that particular race as well. That's in race one. And then, of course, right in race two, you've got Long Tom, International Money, Dover Dan, who just picked up a big win here in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes action. So some uh, good familiar three-year-old trotters that people may remember from Hamiltonian Day, Mike. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what can come of uh, what the hill, uh, Mike, and if he can return to winning ways. You know, uh, in, in some people's minds, he did win the Hamiltonian, and I think, uh, if I'm right, I think we're still waiting on that appeal uh, from the connections of what the hill and uh, those guys. All right, moving right along in on the Mohawk program, their big race, and I know they've got a pretty strong car. They've got the elegant, uh, elegant image uh, eliminations as well. They have Ontario Sire Stakes action, but the big one is uh, the Simcoe going for a purse of. $163,000. That's race nine with some very talented three-year-old fillies, including Idyllic Beach and Betters Up, who looked very, very good in winning a Pennsylvania Sire Stakes consolation here last week at Harris, Philadelphia. It does draw post nine. Doug McNair, the regular driver, is back uh, in the bike on Betters Up. I believe Brett Miller drove him here on Sunday. So that can be a value play right there, nine to two, a horse who I think has just got a lot of potential. 
Mike, you got to bear with me here. I'm still pulling up a program. <laughs> <One> that's, <laughs> that's that's okay, but uh, that's a good race. Uh, and like I said, there's Ontario Science Stakes races all throughout. I mean, we're going to a very, very good wagering card, by the way, Mike. But uh, getting back to uh, the Simcoe, yeah, betters up, I think, is uh, ha- does have to overcome post nine, uh, even over the big track that can be tough. But I think if Doug McNair, could put, Doug McNair can put her in uh, prime striking position, I think, I think she's got a big chance to upset Idyllic Beach. That's race nine. Race number nine. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're mentioning this <laughs> as you're walking along because I was looking. I'm looking around for this horse. Like, where the heck is the horse at? Uh, Mike, another division of the Simcoe comes in race number five, and this is a, hor- a horse that I notice here is Classic Pro, uh, who was an Ontario Sire Stakes champion uh, this year. He also raced in the Carl Milstein Memorial for trainer Dr. Ian Moore. Ocean Colony has uh, been another big horse for trainer uh, Jimmy Tactor, and of course Tony Alanya has got art scene in this field. Uh, Obviously, the names that stick out off the page are Ocean Colony and Classic Pro. But Mike, Classic Pro uh, was third in the uh, Pepsi North American Cup and fourth in the Meadowlands Pace. Um, you know, a, a Classic Pro could uh, show up without the big three here. Yeah, and Artsy almost pulled up a major upset uh, last weekend at the uh, Yonkers. So you certainly want to keep an eye on him right now, three to one in the morning line. But that is a wide, wide open race. Maybe some unfamiliar names uh, for a lot of people that uh, that are looking at it just by looking at the names. But yeah, Artsy Classic Pro, I think, are definitely uh, two of the horses that stick out there ocean colony we talked about him as well that's the three-year-old open so once again mike a very very good card elegant image uh eliminations as well for the three-year-old philly trotters so a very very good card some very good harness racing coming up uh, over the weekend once again and all in preparation uh kind of for the big uh, weekend coming up not too far in the future in delaware ohio mike and i believe you'll be there once again am i right Oh, yeah. We're going. Uh, Post time with Mike and Mike. We'll have a couple of correspondents on the ground. Myself, Taylor Johnson, and Jessica Otten will all be live from the Little Brown Jug. We'll do some Facebook Live. We'll do some pictures. And uh, we're going to have a good time. It's it's a fun experience. If you've never been to Delaware, Ohio, it's a good experience. And, Mike, uh, we got to get you down here one of these days. I know. I I keep saying I'm going to go, and I – well, I work. You know what I mean? I mean, I hear it. It's it's just very tough with Harris Philly racing during the day for me to get down there. But we've got another remote coming up right around the corner, Mike. Of course, we'll be, be at the Breeders' Crown uh, coming up both on Friday, both days, Friday and Saturday at Hoosier Park. But we've got a remote coming up very quickly as well. I might be dead by the time Jug Weekend is over because the following day we got to go to Hoosier Park. And so uh, we're going to be at Hoosier Park for the Hoosier Pacing Derby, the Centaur Trotting Classic, and a couple other big races. And it's uh, rumored that Huntsville is going to show up at Hoosier Park on that night, Mike. So uh, it'll be interesting to see him as well. Very, very interesting. Yeah, he did not look very good in Pennsylvania Sire Stakes action here today, or uh, back on Sunday race. That was won by Boogie Shuffle. What a great uh, uh, listen. We certainly appreciate all of our guests uh, putting forward a great show today. Chris Mackerlane, Joe Asher joining us, Rich Natural Matei, Gabe Pruitt, Darren Gagne. Don't forget to uh, keep logging on to our website, post time with mikeandmike.com. Some very interesting changes coming. Mike, anything else as our uh, closing theme plays? No, not at all. Uh, special thanks to Ushbo Canada, who continues to uh, quote our tweets. We certainly appreciate you. Uh, help it out. We certainly appreciate everything everyone does for us. We'll see you back here next Thursday with the first post of 1030. Also, check out our handicapping page at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Closing time. You
Stay here I know 